What's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Miami, Florida to let you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And I'm really excited about this episode because, you know, due to all my gut issues and my health issues and all the stuff I'm always talking about, I have done a lot of research about saunas. Every time I've gone to a sauna, I've always enjoyed the experience. I feel better afterwards. But typically, the only time I can go to a sauna is at a gym. And since COVID closed all the gym saunas, right, you can't go into the sauna. You know, I've been lacking that sauna and I have done a lot of research on the different podcasts. I've gone deep into YouTube videos about the benefits, the positives and negatives of sauna therapy and what the deal is with that. And everything I am seeing in terms of just overall using a sauna has been positive. So I am a core believer just based on my own research that I want to start getting into that life. Now, I don't have a sauna today. But leading down this research, I've been looking into different saunas and what should I buy? What are, what are EMF ratings? How do, what do EMF ratings even mean? How are they tested? What are VCOs? Uh, and I found that the whole sauna industry is very much like kind of like the mattress industry. The mattress industry, it's a little ambiguous, right? Some people would be spending like $5,000, $6,000 on a mattress, others $500. People are marketing it up left and right. Is it just branding or is it quality? How do you understand quality? So all these things are really important to me. I didn't want to find myself just sitting into inside of a microwave, right? Probably not the best look. But this led me down a journey of looking at different vendors. Eventually, I came across this one company, Radiance Health Sauna. And I just started reading so much good stuff about them. Lowest EMF ratings, uh, almost no VCOs. Uh, and it's exciting because... I started doing more research and learning about what I personally want and what I want to put my body into because I want the benefits of detox. Next thing you know, I ended up reaching out to the CEO of the company, Randy Gom. He gets back to me. I'm like, whoa. And then also another one of my friends, Elon, is actually friends with Randy. And then he connects us too. And it all came full circle. So I said, Randy, would you come on the show? Because what was interesting about Randy was he was a firefighter and throughout that experience he accumulated all you know the different stuff that may happen in in the line of duty of being a firefighter with different chemicals that may get into your skin and he wanted to detox and heal himself but he couldn't find a good brand to figure this thing out so I invited him on the show to talk all about saunas I want to learn what the difference is between infrared the different the Finnish sauna where you get like five or six sweaty dudes and in, in a room or the steam sauna what all that is so this episode is dedicated to saunas learning about saunas, understanding saunas, if you're interested in buying saunas, all those things. Now, I want to note, I don't get any financial compensation from this episode. I don't have any like background deal with Randy or any of that stuff. I just truly think, A, he's a really good guy. He runs a fantastic business. They're not salesy. They're not pushy. And he knows a ton about saunas. So we're really excited about this episode, episode 117 of the Damn Good Day Show. Let's jump into it. Live with Randy Gom. Randy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for very much for having me on. And excited for you to be the second episode after the official brand rebrand of the Damn Good Day Show, which is a really exciting time. Great and name. 
and what you're doing is all about what we're about. You know, you have this incredible journey, which I really want to kind of break apart and kind of get the thumbnail snapshot of your career and understand what actually led to this kind of obtuse venture, given your background. Uh, and I would love to kind of learn a little bit about, you know, your career as a firefighter and some of the chemicals and different things that can happen. So if you don't mind, maybe let's just start by kind of giving that snapshot and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. I think it's, um, I had, uh, hang on a second, just got to turn this off. Um, yeah, I had, uh, I was uh, a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I was on the, you know, Dorsham Mountain Rescue Team, Worcester Ski Patrol, um, and I uh, was a firefighter. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I thought it was kind of, you know, ate healthy and stuff. And, I, and looking back at it now, I really didn't. Um, but, you know, I just, no, nothing really bothered me. Um, as far as that. And then um, I was a firefighter for about 11 years and I came out with kind of muscle skeletal pain. And, uh, and they said the label they gave me was fibromyalgia. And I didn't really think too much of it. Like I said, I was pretty mainstream. I, I was quite naive. I thought kind of healthy, health food stores were kind of where hippies and yuppies kind of thing. I was quite ignorant. And so, you know, I just had to really open myself up to that. And and so I went along with the fibromyalgia label and they gave me uh, NSAIDs, natural steroidal anti-inflammatories, reduced the inflammation, then I got gut problems. So what saved me is another fellow on my same four-man crew, um, not good for him, but good for me, came down with the same symptoms. And I'd reached a point where I couldn't walk a block, couldn't hold onto a telephone, difficulty writing. So it was pretty severe, pretty limiting. And then uh, once the other fellow came down with the same symptoms, the light came on, wait a minute, this is not, this is not normal. And I re realized it was probably work-related. So I had an adipose tissue sample sent to a lab in the States called AccuChem Labs. Turned out it was very high in a chlorinated pesticide use in treating wood products and also high in both mercury and lead. And it wouldn't be fair to say, all I did was the infrared sauna to get better. I changed my diet. I worked on my stage four sleep. I did a bunch of things uh, to get better. But of all the modalities I used, it was the most effective on lowering my toxic load, reducing my pain level, allowed me to get back to work. So that's why I got so passionate about the infrared songs. It's so interesting, the research that's being done on the amount of chemicals that can be seeping into your body. Uh, I feel a lot of health research is just kind of skimming the surface of it. You talk about this idea of detox, it's such a sexy term and it's so needed, but mm -hmm. the idea of all the microplastics and the different mercuries and the different biochemicals that are inside of our products that are seeping into us for years and years and years. I mean, I like to say that our entire generation, I know my generation specifically is probably at some point going to have some form of gut health problems because we grew up, I don't know about other people, but on Lunchables yeah. and oh, yeah. you know, Doritos and French bread yeah. pizza. And I mean, let me tell you, it was bomb corn toasties, <laughs> but you know, I know personally in my own health journey, it's caught up to me and I got to a point where you know my body just like didn't wasn't having it anymore and that really led to my own self-discovery so when you got into the world of understanding the whole sauna when was kind of the first time you went into a sauna and what was that experience well i didn't know about infrared saunas at the time so i was using a conventional sauna um long time periods and at a lower temperature you know i was doing four and a half five hours a day Big thing is when you're putting that much time in the sauna, and it's the same with the infrared, you really have to make sure you replace your electrolytes and trace minerals. So the good news is you're sweating out your toxins and heavy metals, so you're spreading out some good stuff too. And then, then once I discovered the infrared saunas, I discovered I could accomplish sweating a lot more um, at a more comfortable temperature, it could stay in there a long, a long time. Um, and it's, you know, it's, 
Um, yeah, the foreign thread sauna is, is, I think, is the best way to go as far as the detoxification. I can't make any um, health claims these days. I had a bit of a, some differences with our friends at Health Canada. I had to remove all the research papers off my website and stuff. So a specific um, kind of cases I can't talk about. Um, but, but, you know, someone could type in PubMed, Medline Research, you know, foreign infrared saunas or even conventional saunas. There's lots of studies out there, you know, and, um, but it's, but it's something that I can't have on my website and I can't make any claims. Right. Um, but yeah, for myself, it, it was, it didn't happen overnight. I think as you pointed out, everybody's toxic load is higher and higher these days. And the environmental working group, there's been a few ones, they've done studies on people, they've done studies on newborns and looked at the placenta and stuff like that. And just looked at everybody's toxic load as far as phthalates and pesticides and heavy metals. And so, um, yeah, it's something that every anything people can do to lower their toxic load will be advantageous over time. And, and so it's, I, I'm a great fan of, I've tried to, um, I, I sell the saunas at my cost um, to put them in, in the fire halls because I thought, okay, if you have a means, not every fire you go to, but if you go to a fire, you know, you've been exposed and you have a means to lower your toxic load, it's, it's only going to be advantageous, you know? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the differences in sauna. So I originally learned about you and the reason we're connected today, because I personally was looking for a sauna. I've heard a lot of different stuff. Dr. Rhonda Patrick has a great podcast on it. She's probably one of the most well-known talking about it. Um, and you know, some, so many people just say so many great things. It's one of those things that you, you don't see any negatives, um, besides obviously EMFs, which we'll talk about in a few, in a little bit, but I was looking for a sauna and it seems like a lot of it is sort of like, you know, the mattress industry, um, where a lot of it's very ambiguous. You don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. It seems like brand is a really big player and, you know, it's complicated, especially when you're getting sold to and all these things. So let's kind of jump into the difference between um, the three type of saunas, between the steam sauna, the infrared, and then the dry sauna. Yeah. Okay. And there's probably, and I'll add a couple more because there's different kinds of infrared as well. But the conventional sauna is where, you know, we'll call it the finished sauna, where you've got hot room, air temperatures, 180 to 200 degrees, sometimes 205. Um um, you sometimes people put water on the rocks, you get a little bit of steam with that. They've been used for years. Um, there's a good finish study on conventional sauna where they took uh, 2,300 middle-aged men over a 20 year period, showed it dramatically increased longevity. They used the sauna uh, four times a week or more. Um, like it, it reduced mortality, um, fatality, sorry, um, by uh, 40%. So that, that's huge. If someone said you could take a pill or you could take, um, some magic kind of potion and, and would reduce, you know, it would increase your, their longevity by 40%. You think, wow, where, what is that? But nobody seems to really talk about it, but it's a good study. And then they took this same data group. Okay. Again, it was over 20 year period, 2,300 middle-aged men. And then they looked at dementia and Alzheimer's and they found it reduced that by 64 and 65%. So I just like, wow. And anyway, so that's conventional song. That's not infrared, but I believe, you know, it's the, the principle still the same. You're raising poor temperature, you're sweating profusely. There hasn't been the same sort of studies on uh, foreign thread. There are some there. Like I said, I, I won't quote them, but if you type in PubMed or Medline, foreign thread, you'll see the research studies there. Um, as far as the 
uh, uh, infrared sauna. That's the disadvantage of the conventional saunas is you can only stay in there for a short time period because of the temperature. So even that study, the average time was like 14 minutes. So in a far infrared sauna, you can easily stay in there 30, 40 minutes. It's not an issue because the air temperature is usually between 115 Fahrenheit and let's say 149. It's in that range. So a lot of people say, well, I can't take the saunas. It's too hot. I'm feeling uncomfortable. They find in the far infrared sauna, they go, wow, this is great. I'm sweating profusely, but I'm not feeling wiped out. I'm not coming after. Now, the steam sauna is good as far as the only thing what I've seen with studies on detoxification even though you think you're sweating a lot in a steam sauna, you're actually not sweating as much because the, the moisture is already in the air and it's on your skin. The reason why we sweat is because the evaporation of the sweat in the body cools the body down. So if the body already, if the moisture is already there, your body actually doesn't sweat as much. So if you look at some of the detoxification studies comparing conventional dry saunas with a steam sauna, they'll always be using the dry sauna. So that's kind of the difference there. There's some benefits of the steam sauna, but it's just as far as detoxification, all the studies that I can find show with um, using a dry conventional sauna. Um, now with the uh, far infrared, um, again, the temperatures, you're heating the body more in the air less, okay? So the far infrared, it's something we're exposed to. Let's say if you laid on the, the beach on the summertime and you feel the warmth from the sand, that's far infrared. If you feel heat from someone else's body, that's about 9.4 microns. So it's something we're exposed to quite a bit. And I went into, you know, before I was a firefighter, I used to be a biologist, so I, I don't, never mind looking at research. And, and so I went into far infrared thinking, is there anything that's a contraindication? Is there something that's gonna be, you know, dangerous down the road, like microwave or something? And, and the studies that I can find, it just, the animal studies just showed increased, um, to be fair, they're done in rabbits and, 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 and mice, but increased longevity, increased, increased mobi uh, mobility. Um, most of the studies that were done on people, it just, it showed it in some uh, only positive benefits without me telling you what the study said, right? Yeah, it's fine in mind, I'm walking here. I'm, I'm finding it frustrating, but it is what it is, right? It's so, true. Um, no yeah. health claims, man. That's, that's the yeah. world we live in. And, it's, know, you know, yeah. I mean, I think the, obviously it's, it's done out of good faith. Right. But, um, because some people can take that the wrong way, but yeah. you're doing a great job. And it's interesting when I personally have my own experience in steam saunas, I don't like it. I just don't like the experience. I know some people like it, but I get in there and I'm wet right away, but I'm wet. I'm not sweating and, uh, I can't see anyone. And I don't know if that's like enjoyable to me personally. Uh, I like the idea of getting a little, you know, yo, like a little meditation in, I like to be you know, clean and then see sweat coming from my body. That's just a personal preference. But yeah. isn't there a big difference too between the typical Finnish sauna where you get four or five sweaty dudes in a room and someone's pouring water on some hot coals versus yeah. the infrared when it comes to overall cleanliness and potential damage to a home? Yeah. Well, uh, your typical far infrared sauna, our far infrared sauna is just plugged into a normal um, circuit. The smaller ones would be 15 amp, the larger ones are 20 amp but it just plugs into the wall. So there's no plumbing, there's no, no special things meant for vent. So the moisture content that's coming is strictly from your sweat. So as long as you're sitting on a towel and you bring a small towel in there, wipe yourself off, you won't find there's moisture getting in the room or someplace. You don't have to worry, you open the door and there's a whole bunch of steam. So that part makes it very easy to be able to put into anybody's home, you know? And the kits, it takes about, an hour, an hour and a half to put together. It's not like an Ikea piece of furniture where someone is going to be muttering my name under the breath. You know, it's pretty easy to put together. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned Ikea, but anyway. No, just, it's true. I'll uh, mention yeah. it right now. Ikea yeah. furniture is the worst. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, it's very easy to put together. Um, sometimes people hire someone to put them together, but they are pretty, and, and like I said, it's an, no exaggeration. It's an hour, an hour and a half to put together. Um, and then, so it's like a piece of furniture um, and that you just plug in. But because the far infrared, there's something called the inverse square law from a light source. And what does that mean? If you're one inches away from a light source versus let's say you're, you're six inches away. If you're six inches away, it goes um, 66 is 36. And you put a one over top, you're getting 136 intensity. If you're 10 inches away, you're getting 100 intensity. That's the advantage of a far infrared sauna. If you have a lot of surface area of heaters against the body, now you're heating up the core temperature and you're sitting usually within an inch of it. Now the disadvantage is sitting close to um, the heaters and the saunas is many of them are high in EMF or, or electromagnetic field. Sometimes it's called electromagnetic radiation EMF. It's the same term, just a uh, different wording. Now, someone with my, I talked to a gentleman the other day and he says, well, what's the big deal? We're all exposed to, exposed to EMF. And I said, that's true. But I asked him if he owned a microwave and he said, yes. And I said, well, an older microwave, if you had one, um, I'm not suggesting to use a microwave, but I'm just saying if you had one, um, if you took a Gauss meter up to within a couple of inches, it measured about 30 milligauss. But if you, it always affected by distance, like this inverse square law. So as you back off, let's say a foot or two feet, um, it drops down to zero. So the guy said he still wasn't concerned. And I said, okay, would you feel comfortable about turning on your microwave and standing or sitting next to a couple of inches of when it's on for half an hour every other day? And he goes, no. And I said, why not? He said, well, just to be on the safe side. I said, aha, you recognize that there's maybe a potential of EMF. So what's different sitting in an infrared sauna? So it's really important in an infrared sauna to make sure it's in low levels of EMF. Now, um, TCO or Swedish standards are two milligauss or less. Um, ours would average 0.3 milligauss. I'm not suggesting you have to get a sauna that averages 0.3, but anything under two, I would be happy with. Um, and, and also there's something called EF, electrical fields. There's some new research in Europe. It's measured in volts per meter. So it's important to have that down now too, because it always seems a shame to me to have an infrared sauna um, that you're buying for your health to detoxify and other health benefits, and you're sitting in a strong light magnetic field and don't know it. And if a company, um, the best thing to do, and I never, I never am critical of other companies. So the question to ask any company is, please send me your EMF testing and then look at it closely to see that they actually test the sauna at what they call point of body contact, the wooden slats you lean against, or they just test the heaters by themselves. So that's good. We're just adding, testing the heaters by themselves and not including electrical connection and wiring. So that's just something to look for when you're looking for that. That's interesting. So if I sit an inch from a sauna and I test it versus a foot from a sauna and I test it, we're going to see light and day differences. So a lot of these sauna companies may put claims out there that they have these low EMF ratings, but the question is, is where were the tests done? And yeah. my question is, is if this is such a major concern, right? It, no one wants to put their face next to a microwave. Like that's nuts, right? It, it just human yeah. reactions probably thinks that's a, not a good idea. Why sure. doesn't the rest of the world jump behind this and start making their saunas like this? Do you think it's inevitable well, that it'll, it'll trend that way? Eventually, or eventually. But for instance, in Sweden and some of the other countries, they're way stricter standards, okay? In, in the US and Canada, we don't. Um, we kind of minimize, maybe there's probably a bunch of different reasons. Sometimes you may have high tension wires, you know, the big wires going ahead and you have housing that is quite close to it, okay? So if you, if the government or powers to be recognize that this is a hazard, 
then some of the stuff they're doing, they can't do, right? Because you can take a Gauss meter up there and it might be 80 milligauss. And, and that's a house and you're, and you're there. Because I've, I've gone to some of these places and I've taken a meter and I have good tri-field meters. I have a few of them. And, and I'm thinking, wow, if these people only knew that that's where they're staying. And, and, and there's different studies. Uh, some of the studies regarding some of the cancer studies are obviously done with, um, um, with animals. Um, but there's lots of research. If you Google it, there's lots of research on hazards of EMF. And so the big thing is with distance, okay? You can have a lot of things in your house that have electromagnetic fields. Just measure the distance. Once you're a certain distance away, you know, then you're okay. You know, it's kind of, so that's why it's kind of unique in an infrared sauna. You don't have electricity sitting a foot or two feet away from the heaters. Got it. And then what's the deal with the VOCs or VCOs? Apologies if I'm saying if it wrong. Yeah, no, Tell me a background on you that. Said it correct. Yeah, I said it correctly. It, it stands for volatile organic compounds. And it just means that something is, is toxic or off-gassing. And so it's really important to have everything in your sauna that is not off-gassing because I deal with sometimes with people with MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity. They're very sensitive. They're like the canaries out there. And I, when I was sick, I was like that myself. It used to drive my daughters crazy because they couldn't wear perfume, they couldn't wear hair, you know, spray or send a hair spray or bounce in the clothing. And some, and it's quite funny, your olfactory sense, it's like, it just gets heightened. So sometimes, let's say my daughter would walk in with a friend and she might have some sort of hairspray or something on. And I say, Teresa, <laughs> she quick, quick, and they get her, get her daughter downstairs because I would react, right? And so it's, your, it's like your, as a defensive mechanism, I guess your olfactory sense is heightened. So it's really important to make sure that all the materials in there should be real wood inside your sauna. There shouldn't be MDF board, you know, which off gases formaldehyde. So those are something just so that way, you know, you're in a pristine environment. Right? That's interesting. You say that we had a guest on the show, Dr. Greg Horn, and he is the epitome of science and studies and health. You know, he just makes a living yeah. doing it, building products, designing products, it takes a lot of you know, pride in it. And he was telling us the story of how he built this brand new facility. You know, it was gorgeous. His company moved over there. Everything was amazing. He had this beautiful corner office, you know, the, everything was brand new, but he was so sick. He was so sick to the point where he was just like, felt like he was dying internally every single day. He couldn't figure out the reason and it ended up being chemical sensitivities to the formaldehyde in the paint or something in the walls. And that was causing it. And it's crazy that these chemical sensitivities exist because how many people right now are existing with these chemical sensitivities and have no idea it's happening and haven't just done the research to get it. And then one step further, most people just don't take the extra step to figure out what's wrong with them. So many people have issues today and they're not making, taking actions to do it. They'll go to a doctor and they'll say, what's wrong. They'll be like, this is what's wrong. They'll be like, okay, for 10 years, they deal with it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's kind of because I run into people like this all the time. I give an example. I had a, a couple in West Vancouver. They bought a new home and uh, they had flu-like symptoms, husband, wife, and a child uh, that was about six. And one of the, finally, one of their friends said, you know, you guys have been sick since you moved into the home. So they had their carpet tested. I don't know how they figured out what was the carpet. And it, it sounds pretty graphic, but they, they put the, the carpet in some testing with some mice and mice died. Okay. And that, doesn't sound like the ideal way to, to, to test, but that's what they did at the time. I'm, I'm talking 20 years ago. And, um, and they realized that here they were in that toxic environment. The sad part about it is I met this gentleman about five years after that stuff. And the effect that had on him 
His wife still couldn't work. His daughter couldn't go to public school in case someone had bounce on their clothing or, or any sort of you know, perfume products or, or petroleum-based products. And so it dramatically affected their life. And they had fatigue, cognitive impairment, uh, muscle pain, very similar things that I went through. And so you have, you know, you really have to be careful. Most, the big thing probably is MDF board because it does, you know, how if you've ever someone's new house and you open a cupboard, you get that kind of odor a little bit. That's usually part of it's formaldehyde. Usually you don't smell formaldehyde, but it's other things that come along with it. And that off gas a lot. And it may off gas for, for three months or it may off gas for a year. And so it's better off. You can get you can get MDF multiple density fiberboard that doesn't off gas from aldehyde now. You can or you can insist on having real wood or external grade plywood. You know, there's different things you can do if you look into it to minimize your exposure. Now let's talk about maybe this will be a, a lesson to everyone else that's building saunas today. But let's talk a little yeah. bit about you know the process of you deciding to build a company doing this. Can you talk walk yeah. me through the steps of the day? You're like, you know what? F this. I'm gonna build my own sauna company. Yeah. Yeah. And well, tell me about that first experience. Was it miserable? Was it easy? Like, what, what were the thoughts? Well, to be fair, originally, I, I went along with um, another company. Uh, I was built in Calgary. So I was virtually selling their songs. Okay. And so then, uh, but we had ceramic heaters and we had a number of complaints from, I saw a lot of practitioners and obviously their patients and clients and about the hot spots and cold spots in the songs. So that was a big issue. So then um, I started looking into the carbon fiber and, and I was concerned because about off gas and stuff like this. And that's why I had uh, independent VOC testing done of our whole sauna, not just heaters or not just, you know, any other components. And the thing that I was looking for is for someone to get more coverage against the body, lower surface temperature of the heaters. Because the advantage is, is when you lower the surface temperature of the heater, you move further into the far infrared range. And that's what I wanted because that's what the research supported. And, um, and so that's why people sweat profusely on our songs because someone eventually, and it was, and, you know, it's a lot of things is when you're getting something built, you, you have to set up, I, I would say boundaries. Okay. This is the limit on this. This is what I want in this. And with any manufacturer, then you constantly say, okay, you know, <laughs> you're straying from this, this is the boundary. And once you've got that in place and then they recognize that you're really fussy and you're really, you know, whatever, um, then they, then it's fine. Right. But you have to, you have to manufacture, you definitely have to stress that and you have to make, you have to make them accountable. And then once you do that, that doesn't mean I still don't test the saunas, right? I do, I do all the time. That's I'm, but I am type A that way, but every sauna needs to be set up and tested. Okay. Because originally what was going through the manufacturing is that originally I was finding units that were sometimes rather than averaging 0.3 milligauss, I would average in 0.5 and I'd say, hey, what's going on here? And they'd say, well, we randomly test every, you know, one out of every 12 saunas or what. And I said, well, that doesn't work for me. I said, every sauna needs to be set up and tested. And they said, well, that slows down production. And I said, well, well then fine, charge me more, you know, and so, but that's what we need to do. See this, once you set those parameters or those boundaries, what your expectation is, and you hold to it, then it, then it works fine. But that's originally, that's always a problem because, you know, as a manufacturer, you're going to try to push things to make things a little bit cheaper or faster or whatever. And that, you know, so once you know that, and I, so it was a learning curve for me for that. 
Yeah. And that, that's what fascinates me about you is because a lot of people would assume you're sort of this business mogul that wants to go in and start selling <laughs> tens of thousands of saunas and go retire on a yacht. But that doesn't yeah. seem to be your demeanor. Obviously, you're a for-profit company and you're building a business yeah. that helps people and you yeah. take that very seriously, right? Um, but yeah. with that said, it seems like you you cut so many of these these, these little cords that most people would do to push prices up, to drive more sales, because you're all about making sure the product is amazing. And it's because you as a founder have gone through this terrible experience that you don't want to happen to other people. I think that's admirable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I didn't actually ever intend to get in the sauna business. Um, I want, once I had my own health benefits, I thought, you know, there should, should be some places in Vancouver and Vancouver Island where people that are on disability can go to use the saunas. So I arranged to sell at my cost to some of these practitioners. So there's about half a dozen places in the lower mainland of Vancouver where people could go to use a sauna. And I went back to the fire. I was back and now working at the fire department. And then all of a sudden, people that used it were benefits and said, hey, I'd like to buy one of these. So that's how it evolved. I never really thought, geez, I'm going to sell these saunas and make some money. It was just kind of an event. But of course, then it evolved from there. So yeah, it was interesting how things, I never thought I'd be selling the infrared saunas. And, and you know, and with my staff too, um, and I don't like the whole high pressure sales thing. And so I tell you, so none of my staff work on commission. They just... Um, I pay them a good wage and the company, when the company does well, which it is, we, you know, they get bonuses. So that way there, there's no pressure on my staff to try to close a sale or complete a sale uh, on commission. Someone else, they can phone back and someone else can deal with somebody. The advantage is, and people say this all the time, is they like what we're doing is trying to educate the consumer. And if they asked about brand X, we won't comment on that particular brand. We'll tell people just what to look for. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think it's, a, um, I'm not saying that's the only way to sell. Obviously there's a lot of ways to sell, but that's what we do. You know, it seems to work. Yeah. Right? It's interesting because my favorite banking institution is Vanguard. They're the MVPs in my opinions. They're the goats at the financial industry. And the reason being is that Vanguard reps don't get commissioned on sales. Mm-hmm. So when I call Vanguard and I want to open up a brokerage account, I know I'm speaking to some guy that's on a salary, but he's not getting paid on, yeah. you know, selling me up on a, on a certain account. And thus they do probably get comped in terms of a bonus at the end of the year. Right. But that that's totally normal. And that business model, when we have a conversation, we're just having a conversation, right? And that conversation is important when you're weeding out all the bullshit in the world in terms of that's out there, because there's a lot. And, you know, we live in a a, a day where reviews are everything, right? Reviews are amazing because they've changed the world of e-commerce because it's like, hey, a review is amazing. But if I see a five-star review on Amazon, immediately I assume this is a great product. But now we're seeing more than ever, sometimes people are kind of, flaking those reviews, if you would, by having people reach out and send you a gift. Hey, give me a five-star review and I'll send you $20. I get it all the time. And guess what? I do it all the time. I'm like, hey, great business. You're going to give me $20 off. I'm down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because it's like those authentic reviews of real people using it are yeah. so powerful. And you guys yeah. are seeming yeah. to capture that. Yeah, no, it's been cool. We get, we get lovely responses from people, not just through customer service or, or how they feel after using the sauna. Big thing is with the sauna use, and I always tell people, look, there's two things to watch for. And I mentioned electrolytes earlier, but because you sweat so profusely in the sauna, many people with chronic health problems would have, they, they often say it's intestinal dysbiosis, which is a polite way of saying you have, you know, critters in your body, parasites, fungi, you know, bacteria, and you're getting a malabsorption problem. So if they start to use the sauna too much too soon, 
um, two things can happen is they're already low in electrolytes and trace minerals. So it makes that worse. So they need to, they can drink coconut water. They can go to a healthy store and buy some sort of electrolyte mix. There's a lot of things they can do. They can chew on dulse. So seaweeds acquire taste. We'd like it. You hate it. There's different things they can do. Coconut water is probably an easy way to start. Um, and then because your body is a well, as a defensive mechanism, if you're low on electrolytes and trace minerals, it minimizes your sweating. And so a lot of people that have difficulty sweating, I'll, the first thing I'll suggest is increase your electrolytes. And so that's interesting. And the other thing is that um, if someone's toxic, don't start off doing this on a daily. They're very powerful as far as detox. And what'll happen is they'll feel really good and they'll use this on for about three, four days in a row. And then boom, a major, what they call is a Herxheimer reaction, headache, flu-like system, flu-like symptoms. Now the theory with this is you're mobilizing, let's say 90%, I'm just, this isn't an actual figure. I'm just saying, so let's say it's 90% that's coming through your skin that you're dumping out. And then 10% your liver is having to deal with. Well, many of these people have compromised phase two detox pathways. So if they go a little bit slower, it might start off with every three days. They might do that for three or four weeks or longer. And every other day for three or four weeks and longer, and then they can use it daily. And we just have way better success. Healthy people can start off right out of the get-go and it's not a problem. But if you start to use this on and get a headache, that's a sign. Say, okay, back off a bit. And, and so don't underestimate how powerful the saunas are for like detox, right? Herxheimer reactions is crazy. I mean, I've had SIBO. I, I do think that parasites is the, my deal right now. So I'm actually starting a, a little little moon cleanse because the full moon is oh, yeah. three days. That's um, always a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because I do feel more crappy about four or three days before a full moon, which is a sign that parasites are getting active in your body. So yeah, yeah. Uh, really promising though. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool, yeah. It's interesting that with these parasites that are detoxing our skin, the only two ways that we typically detox as humans is when we, you know, pee or poop, right? The third one is when you exercise very vigorously and you get a nice sweat in. But the issue is you got to exercise very vigorously. And guess what? Humans are inherently kind of lazy in general as a population. We don't want to go and put our bodies through that stress or they have health issues that don't allow them to. They have, you know, bones that are screwed up, back pain. I've had bulging discs. I've had all the lower back problems. I understand those issues. It's hard for people to go in and get that sweat in. So it's yeah. interesting oh, that the true. sauna, you can go in there and you can get many of the similar effects of putting your body through a lot of stress that forces mitochondria to renew or there's better technical terms to explain that. But it, I think it's very similar to you know Wim Hof's ice bath method. Uh, one of my good friends, Sky, who actually produces the, the podcast, shout out, he uh, went to Wim Hof session in Poland and did the two oh, wow. weeks out there. That's cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things about it. And yeah. it's, cha it's changed his life. I mean, Sky went from being, you know, a, a great, you know, always a hard worker, always enjoyed a good time, likes to party, have it, whatever. And now he hosts meditation retreats. He has ice baths in his body. He's gone full plant. I'm like, bro, what did they do to you? He's like, it's the ice, man. It changes you. It's interesting that these extremes, when you're putting your body through that can have so much in your physiology. Yeah, no, it's, I've, I've read a lot on it. I've never, to be fair, I've never done, I've gone into the ocean, whatever, but I've never done the length of time that he's talking about and hanging in there. So yeah, it's, it's something that, that uh, I'm intrigued to do and, but I'll let you know when I do it. Right? <laughs> Randy's ice baths.com coming in. Yeah. Hot. yeah that's right. The other I, thing that I was going to mention about that it sometimes comes up with infrared saunas is you have far infrared saunas, near infrared saunas. And um, I think they talked the full spectrum. So what I found, if you go into PubMed or Medline, the research papers are all in far infrared saunas. 
the research on near-infrared saunas is actually, no, sorry, on near-infrared is actually really good. It shows wound healing, mitochondria function improvement, uh, tissue repair. But all the, if you go into to the research papers, they're all done on lasers and light emitting diodes where they're touching the skin or touching the petri dish because of this inverse square law from light source. You have to be close. And so be careful if you're getting an infrared sauna um, that if someone throws some lights in behind there and say, hey, guess what? We have near infrared too and we have all the benefits. Ask for the <laughs> what frequency they're in, um, what strength they are, how far they're away from the body. So I'm a great fan of the LED lights and, and lasers. You know, I have a light paddle myself. If I've injured my thumb, I would use that on there. And it's usually in the 630 to 940 nanometers, a very specific range, some of the red range and some of the near infrared range. But to me, you shouldn't take that research, put some lights in your sauna and you say they have the same health benefits. So I can't find any research papers online uh, on in PubMed, not articles, but actually research papers on near infrared and sauna. So that's why we always stick with the far infrared range. Interesting. What about the whole red light color sauna therapy or yeah, what's, well, there's, what's there's, the deal with that? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm all for um, red light too. Cause that's when I said the 630 to 940 nanometers, some in the red and some in the near infrared. I'm just not a fan as far as the sauna use. Okay. Because when you're in the, this proper range, okay. And near infrared, it actually is not heating up the body. And so when you stray out of it, yes, you are then heating up. You took, let's say you pick these hot bulbs, okay, in the hardware store and you can put them in and stuff like this. You'd have to say, okay, what actually percentage is in that 630 to 940 nanometers? And you'll discover most of the time it's like 15%. And because the infrared square law from light source, you're, because they're so hot, you have to be a couple of feet away. So I don't go, I, to be fair, you're benefiting from sweating and everybody benefits from sweating. But from my position, you shouldn't take the research on near infrared and it says it applies to your song. That's, you know, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, I, I so red light therapy, um, near infrared therapy, I'm a great fan of. I'm just not a fan of saying that it's being used in the sauna to make the same health benefits. To be clear, when you're in the sauna, because your saunas have this really great, like epic LEDs that can do like six different colors. When yeah. that LED is on, is that a form of red light therapy or green light therapy? Or is that I would say no. It's it's all the, all the sauna companies that have those lights overhead. To be fair, I would say call them mood lighting rather than really chromotherapy. The reason being is just what I'm talking about. They're not strong enough or intense enough. There was a study that showed, uh, let's say, people with SAD, okay? And usually people with seasonal, sorry, seasonal affective disorder. And a lot to counter that, sometimes they look into a light box. And the study, most of the studies, it's using white light and then about 10,000 lux. But they're so many inches from away from the eye. From the eye. I don't know exactly, let's say it's 10 inches away from, from the, the retina of the eye. And, um, and then they discovered they could take blue LED lights and accomplish the same thing on only 400 lux versus 10,000. So you're thinking, wow, okay, that's having some effect on the body, but that's much stronger than these lights overhead. So you really got to call it, you really can't make any claims to lights overhead. Some people love it and they'll say, oh, the red does this for me and the blue red. And, and I'm not denying that colors do have effect on people, okay? But you can't physiologically show that that's having the that effect. So I would just say, well, it's moonlighting rather than making any claims.
Yeah. Sudden mood is great. It's, it's a cool feature. Yeah. I really, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a, yeah, some people have said, oh, I do so well with green or I do so well with red and I go, okay. <laughs> Maybe you're great. a leprechaun bro, deep down inside. <laughs> yeah, so tell yeah. me about the timing. So with the parasite deal, like one thing that I've learned is that parasites are very active at night. And I always have this issue where I wake up at like four in the morning yeah. after getting like six hours of sleep. And then I'm up for 30, 40 minutes and I could try so hard to go back to bed. And, you know, I go pee, I do whatever, you know, one else does. I'm like, just trying to think, but I, my, my brain starts pacing and I feel like it's due to parasites. And I've learned that parasites are more active at nights than they yeah. are during the day. Does that yeah. mean that it's technically better to do a sauna? Like right before you go to sleep or what were you, what would you be your well, I, to, do it? to be fair i've never really timed it as far as parasites or someone had parasites you'll have to let me know on that okay but because as far as i deal with a lot of people with like i said intestinal dysbiosis if you do it too close to bedtime and your core temperature is raised you'll have trouble sleeping because you have to bring your core temperature down to sleep okay but if you do it, people can usually handle doing it about an hour and a half before bed so there's different ways to do it. Sometimes people will start off the day having an infrared sauna, have a shower and go to work because you don't feel wiped out. You actually feel somewhat energized. So it's very different than a conventional sauna. Conventional sauna, you wouldn't hop in the sauna and have a shower and go to work. You'd be kind of a little bit wiped out, right? Um, or you'd be, I won't say wiped out, you'd be relaxed. Um, here, so some people either do it, they sometimes do it early in the evening or sometimes they'll do it earlier in the day. Um, I've had... I, I sell to a lot of top trainers now and they, and it's interesting because they I talked to um, uh, one of the um, Olympic in, in Calgary, one of the um, uh, gentlemen was head top trainer for Olympic athletes. And I said, well, how do the Olympic athletes use it? And he says, well, they cheat. He says, they go in fully clothed for about 10 minutes just before they start to sweat. He says, then they'll go and do their intense workout because their muscles already warmed up. They, they minimize the warm up time period. And then he says, then after they go in the, um, they do the workout, then they go in the sauna for about half an hour and they stretch inside the sauna and stretch um, soon after coming out. And that's been very effective in increasing the range of motion. So that was interesting. I've never really been selling to trainers. Now I sell to a lot of them. So that's been interesting, you know. Very interesting. So the idea is go in there, get your body warmed up literally through yeah. the heat. Why can't you have the same effects just going out and tanning on a, on a hot day? Like what's the big difference? Well, the big difference is because the infrared penetrates that inch and a half, you know, into the tissue. So it is heating up the core body. So you go outside, it's the same as, um, uh, a normal, we'll say the not normal, a conventional sauna is heating up the air by convection. Okay, you hear the hot air and it's heating up from the outside. A good barn fred sauna is actually heating up the body. It's heating up the core temperature. So that's why it's quite different than going outside on a hot day is because you're actually here. And it's nowhere near the microwave range. It's not people worry about that on the microwave in their body. And it's, it's a totally different spectrum. So that, and it, like I said, that's why Myself, I was very cautious at first. That's why I read all the studies as far as is there anything that's going to be contraindication. If a woman was pregnant, I probably wouldn't use an infrared sauna. I wouldn't use any sauna. Couldn't find any study regarding infrared and pregnancy, but I did find a study with hot tub use in California, a greater chance of miscarriage. So just be prudent if a woman's pregnant not to use the sauna. Also, I was getting feedback um, as far as another contraindication from women that were breastfeeding. Uh, they won't, this is like 15 years ago, somebody phoned me and said, um, my kid's cocky. Do you think it has anything to do with the sauna? And all of a sudden, hadn't even entered my mind. So I phoned a toxicologist at UBC at the university here. 
And, and I said, is there any chance you're mobilizing toxins in the breast milk? And she said, oh yeah. So I advise everybody this breastfeeding not to use an infrared sauna. And, and I've, had, I've had women still continue to use it and say, look, I like it because it promotes milk flow and everything else. Um, and I haven't, my kid hasn't any problem, but I, I still, I mean, I, you can't, you know, I, my, my advice would not, not, not to use it if you're, if you're breastfeeding. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of these studies, we just don't know yet. I mean, we're going to yeah. know in 20 years when all this stuff yeah. comes out, but it's yeah. really taking the best to your knowledge and finding people you can trust, which at the end of the day is really hard. It's really hard in a world where everyone's just trying to sell stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Which is why I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm excited that we're promoting your brand. Uh, just to be very clear, I don't get any financial compensation promoting Randy's brand or any of that stuff. I just truly believe that this company is amazing for the infrared saunas deal. I've done the research. I stayed up for like two or three days, just like li <laughs> listening to saunas. And I feel I'm a decently, you know, intermediate expert on this, right? Well, thank uh, I appreciate you doing the research and finding us. That's great. And it's interesting because more and more people, especially my friends, which I've created so many friends in this gut community, not by purpose, but by, <laughs> I have this gut issue, man. Like, you know, yeah, people yeah. be like, oh, look, Ian's on another cleanse. Yeah, I don't want to be, dude. Like, I, I like to cook. I want to make some bomb pancakes with maple syrup. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, that sounds yeah. amazing. But I feel like crap. And if I can find something to help me, which it seems like all the research and everyone I've talked to has said the sauna makes him feel more charged up in the morning yeah. or at night. It makes him sweat. It makes you put yourself through a full body workout in a sense. You get that mitochondria feel and it's very meditative. So the yeah. only two times that I can ever meditate or actually one time is when I'm true and like I'm just an obtuse is when I yeah. scuba dive. When I'm scuba diving, I feel so meditative. I don't mm -hmm. think about my phone. I don't think about anything else. I'm thinking about, yo, I got to keep breathing because I'm 60 feet underwater. <laughs> like bro, yeah. focus, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anything that can help you come down to a place where you can meditate, breathe, get that stuff in. I think that the sauna is going to encourage that behavior in me. And that's what it seems like from what I've seen. Yeah. No, no. I think I have a lot of people that do meditation in the sauna and stuff like that. And that's kind of, you have the, people do have the opportunity if they want the sound, they can, I, I avoided things like Bluetooth just because I deal with a lot of people with sensitivity with, you know, radioactive fields, um, sorry, radio fields and uh, logical fields. So it's, um, but we, you still can, you can put a wire through the roof because we have a old CD player and a radio, we can put it, but you make a connection to a wire through the roof. It goes outside. You can you put your cell phone outside the sauna. You don't want to break your cell phone in the sauna too long anyway, because eventually you get a heat warning and I can't guarantee it's not going to damage your, your, your cell phone. So it's, it's, but people can listen to music too. So sometimes people put on a meditative tape they want or something like that yeah or you can get your nasty sweat up in like the the stuff they say it's waterproof but it's probably not what about keeping it clean when you're in that sauna is it easy to keep it clean what's your what's your suggestions with cleaning your sauna and what's your suggestions with avoiding needing to clean the sauna well there's two things commercial place um i always there's suggest this polycarbonate they put on the bench just for commercial places um, it's inert or stable under 200 degrees. I did a lot of testing on that, so it's non-toxic. But for home use, as long as you sit on a thick towel and you either put 100% cotton mat or a towel on the floor and take a small towel and wipe yourself off. My sauna, the one I have now is about eight years old. It looks brand new, but I'm very conscious of that. Um, sometimes people will take a, um, you know, a non-toxic, you know, 
soap or something like that and they'll and they'll wipe the bench and stuff like that but most of the time you actually don't need to because with the heat it's killing any germs in there that's the bacteria that's not really not the issue we've never had any issue with fungus growth or anything like that in our saunas um our, all our saunas are kiln dried so that that's not an issue um but yeah no it's it's um there's not, not a really a lot to do, but you do have to be, if you don't put a thick towel on the bench and a thick towel on the floor, hundred percent cotton mat on the floor, that wood will eventually get stained. Some of the stuff that comes out to you is, I'll give you an example. There was a, a, a lovely woman at a, a detoxification clinic in Vancouver and she phoned me one day and she says, Randy, you better come down here. And I, I thought there was something wrong with her sauna, right? So I whipped over there and there's nothing wrong with her sauna. She had that and uh, she had these white towels and they had black marks and yellow marks and brown marks on them. And, and, and she said, I can't get these colors out. I can't, I can't get these stains out of the, out of the towels, right? And I, I laughed and I said, well, you have two choices. Have your clients bring their own towels, A, or B, go to a darker color, right? <laughs> but it shows you the stuff that's coming out of people. It's just amazing, you know? I had even myself, when I first started using an infrared sauna, one day I looked down, I had this black stuff oozing out of my left chest, okay? And, and being the, the biologist before, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I'm, the next day I was ready. I had a little glass jar. I had a little spoon. I was going to, I was going to test this stuff and test. Well, of course, the next day nothing came out and I was so annoyed with myself because all I had to do was take a Kleenex that day and I could have had it tested, but I didn't. So it's uh, fascinating. It, stuff comes out sometimes at different time periods and everybody's different. There was a, um, there was a, a woman, I won't mention her name or the or the clinic, but it was um, back east. And the doctor was telling me when the woman came out, her towel, she, she had a beige towel. And her towel was like pink in color. Not a bright pink, but it had this pinkish hue. And everybody says, wow, what have you been exposed to? She was about 55 years old. And she says, nothing. She's an office worker, you know, and, you know, no chemicals and didn't use pesticides. And everybody's perplexed. And then she said, well, you know, in my youth, I had had a bad acne problem for about six years and, and I took tetracycline every day and it used to have that pink filler in there. And so they, they can't prove it, but that she suspects that all these years, maybe that stuff was coming out, you know? Imagine so, yeah. if sauna youth help, helps like young kids fight acne. Yeah. Well, what you have to be careful is with acne is it will flare up a bit at first. So I had to tell my teenage daughters, I warned them. Okay. And I said, look, it's going to, up a little bit first but just ride it out okay well of course you know how much you know teenagers listen to their parents right so whatever kind of a little bit so sure enough my daughter went in it flared up and said, no, what's going on? And I said just persist go a little bit slower but just persist and sure enough then then obviously it helped but yeah you've got you know it's uh it's yeah it is it does I have had that um for some people talk about it and it's been great, but, but you've got to, you will get a, sometimes a little bit of flare at first. And so you have to really get them to understand that or else they're going to say, yeah, forget this, right. It's making it worse. Right? And then a lot of people might be thinking, okay, cool. Well, sa sauna sounds great. I mean, obviously your saunas are more expensive than the cheaper saunas. I mean, you can get like a cheap sauna for like two grand at Home Depot, but yeah. we're going to run into a lot of these issues that you guys are talking about right now. So obviously everyone can make their own decision based on their own budget and all that stuff. Yeah. But what I love about what you guys are doing and is that you have a many different options. You have a option that is just like one person sauna that you could put in an apartment very easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like eight feet, seven feet tall. And you can, it's got all the nooks and crannies. You've got these larger corner units if you want to have like two people or even more. Uh, and it's yeah. very 
easy to put together. And another thing that's interesting is that it's not easy just to put together, but it's easy to take apart. So if you need to move it somewhere, um, yeah, I think I've that's a really big feature. Yeah. yeah, I've moved mine a couple of times. And you just, as long as you're careful with the moldings, you don't snap one off or something. You just put some blankets around it. And, you know, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's it's nice because a lot of people, let's say you're renting a place and you only have a, a one person unit is 36 by 36. So three feet by three feet. Or you go to the one that's a little bit bigger that says two people and it's 40 by 48. So it is most of the time people have a spot to put it in. And those units just go on a normal 15 amp circuit. You know, it costs, depending on, obviously it depends on your hydro, but it might cost 13 to 15 cents an hour to run. So it's, you won't notice any difference on your hydro bill. Right? Wow. 13, 15 cents. That's nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, nothing, on the smaller but... unit, it's going to cost a little bit more for the bigger units, but it's still, you know, it's very, you, I'd be surprised if you notice anything on your hydro bill. Interesting. That's incredible. Uh, you, I would think that it would be a mound of energy would black out the city to put all this electricity <laughs> to create a giant furnace, right? Yeah. Well, you have to see a two person one is about, you know, 1600 watts. So it's just like, if you had a, if let's say you had a, a hairdryer, it might be 1500 watts, or you had a, a heater that you use to warm up a room is usually about 1500 watts. So it's just a little bit higher than that. It's not, you know, so it's not this huge draw. And I also learned that with sauna use, it's better, like you say, you get too hot, but you still want to stay in. It's better just to open the door instead of try to just decrease the temperature. And that might sound silly, but it's like an oven, right? If you want to decrease the temperature quickly, if I'm cooking my sweet potatoes, you know, if you open the door, it's going to let some cold air in instead of just trying to slowly go down, it's going to be much slower. Yeah. You find most of the time people in ours, people don't have to open the door. Um, once you'll get used to a temperature that you're comfortable with, and then you'll set it at that or water. And as you sweat more, of course, the sweating is cooling you down because of the evaporation. So where people sometimes get a little bit hot early on. So that's why I I prefer most of the time, someone says, hey, I want to get in at 145 degrees. Okay. And they get in, it's quite hot at first. But, but um, if you start in a little bit lower temperature, let's say you get in at 115 or 120 and let it climb up then your body's climatized. And then by the time you're sweating, you know, let's say you're sweating in 10 minutes or 12 minutes or something, then you're getting the higher temperature. You're, it's actually cooling you down. So most of the time you don't have to open the door in our songs, right? I love it. Well, Randy, this has been a joy. This has been very educational. I'm excited yeah, well, for everyone to, well, to look into this. You have me on. Real, real quickly, if there's anything that you could have told yourself if you went back in time to maybe when you were in high school or college before you got into this sauna business, before becoming a firefighter, what's like one, two or three sort of life lessons you would have told yourself that could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, heartache, you name it? Um, I would have told myself to um, not be so confident that I had all the answers already on because I obviously didn't. And, um, and things like I use as an example, I thought health food stores were for hippies and yuppies, very, very ignorant on my part. You know, I hadn't really opened up my mind. It wasn't until I had my serious health problems and I had, you know, like I said, parasites and fungi I had all that comes along. It often comes along with heavy metals. The person that has heavy metals, it's not unusual to have parasites and fungi. There's uh, it's a whole lot other issue, but, but it's, um, and so once you bring your heavy metals down, it's a lot easier to deal with the critters. Um, now if it's, um, no, I guess the other thing too, is again, my diet, I dramatically changed. I made it organic I made it more alkaline. I stayed away from excitotoxins. Um, but no, I think it's, I think the, the lesson I got out of that is before when I used to climb and stuff, you know, I would be happy if I achieved this peak in this certain time period. And I achieved this, you know, climb over there or whatever. And then 
when after I had my health problems and I recovered, I thought, wow, isn't this so good to walk in the forest again? Isn't this so good to be able to actually put on skis again, rather than some cliff I'm going to jump over, right? Even though it's on the ski patrol and the off time, we did some crazy things, right? So, and so, you know, it's more living for the moment and really savoring all these things you took for granted, right? I love that. And for anybody that is like, all right, I'm sold. I'm all in. Let's, let me, let me learn about the saunas. Where can people go to contact your team and get more information? Yeah. The, the website is called radianthealthsaunas.com and the toll free number is 1-888-291-6544. And I've got, you know, really good staff that could, you know, answer, you know, they're not, they won't answer any health questions, unfortunately, but they can answer any other questions regarding the saunas and, uh, and maybe, you know, they'd love to hear from you. Got it. Well, we appreciate you until next right. time. Looking forward well, to staying thanks, in touch. Thanks to you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode. Remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.